0: I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and Opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com.
1: Stand by for a brand new episode of All Things Good and Nerdy.
0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode 391 of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. This is recorded live on Sunday, February 16th, 2020. We are in the leap month. We're in a leap year. I don't know. I messed it up. But we're going to have 29 days this month, and for some reason that fascinates me a ton. <laughs> and it's a Saturday, so it's a Saturday I would not have normally had in February or whatnot. I don't think it actually matters. It just fascinates me.
1: get an extra Saturday. We get a three-day weekend. It's not a bad February.
0: I don't know about you, uh, by the way, guys, watching live, I'm Chris Farrell. Joining me, Anthony Bachman, and we will have Willie Nelson at some point in time. But I have that Monday holiday. My wife doesn't have it, so I just flipped it to the <laughs> coming Friday, and I'm just going to take Friday off and go to the movie theater all day, I think is my plan right now, because that's solid.
1: Oh, you actually get a – you can move your holiday like that? I'm allowed
0: to float some holidays around in a given week now. Okay. Not all That's holidays, not bad. But since most of the folks I work with – have to work on monday also i was like "Eh, i'll go in but it's technically a national holiday so i don't have to dress normally for work i can wear jeans and t-shirt i'm like free jeans and t-shirt day minimal people there outside of the people i directly work with this is the way to do it heck yeah nice quiet calm i'll be able to get a lot of stuff done just toss my headphones on and get in the zone
1: nothing wrong with that
0: it's gonna be exciting that's what i think there i don't know i really got nothing
1: yeah, I'm probably just going to sit on my butt and play Dead by Daylight. <laughs> yeah, I, I
0: mean, I was going to go and see Sonic the Hedgehog on Friday on my way home from work, but I got distracted, ran a couple errands, went, oh, the movie I was supposed to see started 30 minutes ago. And went, I don't care enough mm-hmm. to wait until three o'clock to go and see it. I wanted to see the noon showing, or I guess it was the 2.30 showing, I meant. I could have gone too, but... I don't care that much. That being said, I am going to go see Sonic the Hedgehog. I've mentioned on this show before because they should be rewarded for listening to the fans when we all went. this Sonic yeah, is kind of shit.
1: Who's being rewarded? cause apparently the company that fixed all the VXfs that over overworked their workers has fired all of their workers.
0: The company shut down was more of what so.
1: Happened. Yeah, so if that company's gone, who's being rewarded by going to see this movie? Oh, I
0: mean, the studio did make a smart move also of saying maybe we should fix this. I don't know that they're closing down yeah. as a consequence of Sonic the Hedgehog or not.
1: I don't even know if it's uh, the I same did.
0: company that did the special effects redo on it.
1: I didn't see Sonic, but I did see a movie this weekend.
0: Ooh, and we'll get to that at the end.
1: And it's got a beaver in it.
0: I feel like I should know that reference and I didn't.
1: <laughs> nope, you shouldn't. Okay. Not unless you saw the movie. <laughs> and then I got no, I got no clue then I got no clue. Like I was
0: saying, uh, Willie Nelson will hopefully be joining us at some point in time if you caught the pre-show. I did actually text his phone in addition to uh, IMing him on Google Hangouts. We're assuming that Willie just had far too much fun last night and has slept through his alarm. I mean, because that's the ideal thing to think. We don't want to be like, well, Willie's in a ditch somewhere. God knows what happened to him. Although I imagine it would lead to a good story knowing Willie.
1: Oh, you know it would. Yeah,
0: he does have... He does have quite the tales. Tales from the Willie Nelson. I don't know. I thought I had something there. I got nothing. Nothing, I say. <laughs> you guys know what happens when I have nothing. It generally means I just push a damn button. Button! Live from the ATG and studios on uh, the internet. It's the news of the week. Welcome to the news of the week part of the show. That's where we run down and was in our minds. It's some of the most interesting, geeky, and/or nerdy news to pack. Excuse me, to have occurred in the past couple of weeks. I really flubbed that intro this week, and I'm just going to go with it because we're doing it live. Who gives a crap? Sometimes things get flubbed, and you guys are here to enjoy me floundering <laughs> as I try and recover from it, which did not do a great job of recovering from. Did not. I will fully admit I chose my news story basically to poke one Willie Nelson a little bit. He's not here yet, (laughs) so we'll let Anthony kick off with his news first, because hopefully Willie's here in time that I can poke him with my news story a little bit.
1: (laughs) Poke him, poke (laughs) him. My news is that it is uh, follow-up news on something I reported, I think, at least six months ago, maybe as much as a year ago, that, um, like me, apparently uh, one of the greatest comedians of all time, Mr. Chris Rock, everybody's favorite crackhead, was a huge fan of the Saw franchise and had been in talks to work on building a new Saw movie. And, you know, being a huge fan of the of the franchise, owning all the films and realizing that they already had eight of them, I wasn't really sure we needed another Saw movie, even from a fan.
0: I didn't even and, realize there were eight until we were yeah. talking about this in the pre-show. And I was like, there's eight films? Holy yeah, crap. I,
1: I thought there was seven. I was wrong. I miscounted because I, for, I always forget about 3D. So there's Saw 1 through 6 and then Saw 3D was the 7th film and then Jigsaw was like the the penultimate like finale that was all about um, uh, John Kramer. Yeah, so there's already been 8 films since October 29th of 2004. So like this is a franchise that pumped out 8 films in 13 years. Like that's insane. That's faster than the Fast and the Furious. But also, you know, all the special effects are like small, more intricate things. So it, it's, you know, it's definitely doable. Horror horror can make you some good money if you know what you're doing. But yeah, so the Saw franchise has gone a little crazy. It it started what a lot of people refer to as the torture porn industry, which I'll be honest, like the hostile movies and stuff, I watched them, I'm not a huge fan. I thought the Saw movies were were far superior because it was based on like a logical premise i guess where hostile was really just like torturing people because you're rich and you can get away with it okay but you know whether you like them or not like it's definitely it's it's its own brand of film like there's a whole bunch of them now like it's spawned all sorts of remakes and knockoffs and all sorts of stuff but it was one of those things where it's like "Ah, do we really need a new one and i was like well you know if chris rock's really a fan maybe he'll do something interesting with it like the guy's like a really smart business dude Like, he's done some documentaries, he's done some comedy stuff. Like, Chris Rock hasn't really made that many missteps as, you know, an actor or someone in Hollywood. Like, when he puts effort behind something, there's usually some good thought behind it. And uh, I believe it was last week, or it was last week or the week before. But we finally got us the trailer for Spiral, coming out in 2020, uh, May 15th. And the full title, which, you know, uh, being, being a Douglas Movies fan, I love it, Spiral, semicolon, From the Book of Saw. So it's not a sequel so much. It's another killer in the universe, apparently inspired by John Kramer's message. And what you find out in this trailer is that is a killer in New York City who's putting traps together to kill cops. And from the look of things, we're going to figure that they're either dirty or abusive cops. And so then if the cops are going after the killer... You know, like, it's the whole moral ambiguity of the situation. Like, if he's only killing bad people, but the people he's killing are cops. Well, then, you know, society has a problem, right? So, yeah, we got uh, Chris Rock is playing the detective in it. We got Sam Jackson up in the motherfucker. Like, how cool is it that we got Chris Rock and Sam Jackson together in a horror film? Are there
0: snakes on his plane?
1: I don't believe there's any snakes on the plane yet, but who knows? Maybe he'll get tossed in a cab with some snakes. You know, we don't know what we're getting yet. Uh, so far, on uh, just on IMDb, on the casting notes, Sam Jackson's just listed as the character Marcus. So he hasn't been shown to be either if, like he's a detective or another cop or some other random character. Uh, Chris Rock is playing detec- Detective Zeke Banks. So he's the guy actually going after this killer. Um, the only other name of note that I found in the cast is Zoe Palmer from uh, The Doctor from Lost Girl and the robot from Dark Matter, who is playing uh, a character named Kara Boswick. And then uh, Josh, uh, Josh Stahlberg, did a, uh, the guy who's worked on a bunch of the Saw films as a director, as a writer, um, he did the screenplay for um, Jigsaw and has been involved for a while. His, uh, he's played a cop in it as well as being credited as one of the screenwriters for this new one. And then uh, Darren Lynn Bozeman is back as a director which if you're a huge Saw fan, you might recognize that name because he did Saw 2, 3, and 4. So this is the guy directing his fourth film in the, the Saw universe, I guess, now. Because everybody wants an expanded universe. So here we go. Saw is now actually full-on inspiring other films. And I, so, yeah.
0: I think that's a smarter move than trying to do, I guess, a ninth movie all about the Jigsaw killer. I, I like this idea of expanding the universe and you can have those same kind of scares and things like that that you would have had and saw you can play those same kind of mini years now full disclosure only watched the first saw and i've watched bits and pieces of the second one but i enjoyed how it screwed with your head and there is absolutely no reason why another killer who is not who is inspired rather by the jigsaw killer could not do similar things and that seems fascinating to me and that seems like it would also be a lot of fun to watch
1: yeah, and the trailer looks good. So, like, I am fully enthused. I was I was questionable when I first heard about it because I am a huge fan of the Saw films. I loved kind of the genius behind, like, when you go back and actually look at the original premise and the short film uh, that Lee Winnell did with James Wan and the fucking James Wan. We know James Wan now from you know Fast and Furious and Aquaman and shit, but James Wan got started directing the first Saw movie. Like, that's how he made his name. And it was literally him and Lee Whannell sitting down going, "Uh, we got like 10 grand. What's the cheapest thing we can do? Two people in a room. Okay, why are they in the room? And from that very simple premise, we're now getting a ninth film. Like these guys invented the newest slasher since Chucky, uh, the first serial killer in all the slasher serial killer movies that doesn't actually kill anybody, sets them all up in traps where they kill themselves. And like this whole... You know, genius storyline and an entire concept of films based on really cool special effects. Really, honestly, by like the fourth and fifth and sixth ones, like I wasn't even going to see any of the storyline or the apprentices or the craziness. I was going to see what the set designers and special effects guys would come up with for new ways of putting someone in a torture device where you have an ability to get out if you're willing to bleed. Like, I really love it just to see the stuff that they invent for these films because. There's been no like repeats other than the, I think the reverse bear trap was used twice. Other than that, every Saw film, you get a special effects crew together and they build new traps and they think of new ways to stick somebody in something to where if you worked really hard and were willing to like injure yourself, you could usually get out and like just the genius concept of that from just two guys with a couple of bucks trying to make the cheapest movie they could. And all of this has come out of that. Like, it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's cool. I'm, so, yeah. I want to see where they go with it. This imp- this appeals to me enough. I'm like, you know, I may not go catch up on all the other Saw movies, but this sounds like it could be fun, and I would go see it. And did they put a release date out on the trailer?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, it's on the the IMDb page. It's listed as May fifteenth.
0: Okay, so it's just a few months away.
1: Yeah, so it's not that far out. And yeah, the 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 first trailer's out. It's on IMDb. It's on uh, YouTube. And yeah, it's got a whole lot of Chris Rock in it. It's got very little sprinkled bits of information of anything that you might actually know about the killer there's no actual like killer reveal or what the killer is going to look like all you literally find is like they're finding dead bodies at trap sites and you keep finding like a spray-painted spiral on the wall so like the killer's marketing himself in the original saw movies uh they called john kramer's killer saw to as a shortened of jigsaw because if somebody failed the test and wasn't willing to bleed to live, he would cut a piece out of them that looked like a jigsaw piece. So they kept finding bodies that were missing jigsaw pieces cut out of them because he basically was claiming that they didn't have that thing in them, that drive to live. And so the killer having his own call sign makes sense in the Saw universe because this isn't John Kramer. It's apparently not another apprentice. It's just literally someone that looked at his way of thinking and said, I can get behind that. (laughs) <laughs> which is creepy as fuck
0: i <laughs> could, could make for a fun movie i'm on board i'll go see it
1: yeah anyway. I, i'm excited i, I get mean, more saw we're
0: almost exactly <laughs> three months away as we record this if it's on the 15th today's the 16th so yeah almost exactly three months away and i've still got my movie passed for another 10 months so what the hell i'll go there see you go a bunch of stuff Might as
1: well put it to use.
0: Right. Now, I did have a news story that I was waiting for Willie to be here for. So I'm going to push it to the end of the show just in case Willie shows up. And I have sprinkled (laughs) in some other news stories. We'll go news heavy this week that could be interesting. And we had talked about on here before, Kevin Smith was getting his Masters of the Universe cartoon series slash anime on Netflix that was supposed to be along the lines of a sequel to what we'd seen before. It is now called Masters of the Universe Revelation. It's going to be produced by Mattel Television, focusing on the unresolved storylines of the characters picking up where they left off from decades ago. But why I bring this up
1: is the voice cast
0: got announced.
1: Oh, yeah, it did. This
0: is a pretty (laughs) loaded voice cast. We're going to start at the top of the list and work our way down. Uh, And Arguably, what has me the most fascinated, the the Jedi Master himself, the one also known as
1: Cockknocker. The Clown Prince of Crime. The Clown
0: Prince of Crime. I was working my way up to it, the Hobgoblin, things (laughs) like that. (laughs) <laughs> I do prefer I like anytime I can reference Cockknocker from Jane Silent Ball, Yeah, that makes me laugh. Mark you Hamill himself as Skeletor. And I can't wait to hear what oh. he does with Skeletor because Mark Hamill's a phenomenal voice actor. We've gushed over yeah. him repeatedly on this show, on any other shows we've done. But the man, he's a good at. he's a good actor, he's a phenomenal voice actor. That's not taking away from his skills as just a regular screen actor, but his voice acting, it's phenomenal. And to have him as Skeletor I can't wait. And I know he's going to put his own unique twist on it because Skeletor does kind of have a unique uh, tone in the cartoons from ages ago. But this is going to be fun.
1: Oh, yeah. And and then we also get a new maniacal laugh out of Mark Hamill. It's worth it for that alone. Right. (laughs) Like, it's not like I wasn't already totally sold on this series. Being a huge Fat Man on Batman fan, I love Mark Bernardin. I love Kevin Smith. They're two of my favorite writers. I've, you know, read a bunch of the comics that they've written. I've, you know, love Kevin's movies. I'm a huge fan of Mark Bernard, and like he's one of my favorite like creators. A lot of the times, one of the best things about movies is when Kevin and Mark go see them and then they do their podcast. And Kevin will ask Mark, Well, how would you make it better? And he'll drop just like one or two little things that it's like, God damn it, if he'd have been on set that day, that movie would have been so much better. And he's really good at doing that. So the fact that he's one of the writers on the Kevin Smith produced He-Man Masters of the Universe, I'm excited to see what that writer's room came up with for an extension of that that old school, like the, the greatest macho man show of all time. Yes, the, There is no more testosterone than a character called He-Man. That
0: is true. <laughs> I wonder how many toys they'll end up selling. But there, there's still a ton more of this cast. Let's work our way down the list. Uh, Lena Headey. You know, from 100 uh, yes! Game of Thrones, uh, Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles as Evil Lynn.
1: Oh, and uh, a, a small role as a uh, Cersei Lannister over seven I I seasons Game of, of Game of Thrones. Yeah,
0: I didn't watch Game of Thrones, though. so that doesn't resonate
1: <laughs> Yeah, she, she was huge in that. She yeah. was great in it, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, she'll be Evil Lynn, which I think could also be oh, yeah. really fun, which means she's going to get to play <laughs> off of Mark Hamill's Skeletor a lot. I'm totally on board.
1: Which is probably going to be, like, some of the best, funnest work she gets to do. Like, being able to sit in a booth and do voice work, but play off of Mark Hamill. Like... That's got to be like a great way to sign a contract. Oh, hell yes, I would love to do this. <laughs> my hope
0: is they're getting some of these folks to work in the booth together versus some things you've seen in animation where it's like, you just yeah. come in and record your lines. You can hear what this person recorded, so you know how to play off of it. I would think it's a lot more fun and probably rewarding if you're getting to be in the booth and be like, oh, it's my turn now. I, I need to do this instead of just be like, oh, my God, how did he pull that off kind of thing? Uh, also announced Chris Wood, who you might know from Supergirl as Mon-El. I guess he was also in the Vampire Diaries. Also, he's a Melissa Benoist's husband, so there's a chance that she yep. might show up on here at some point in time. He'll be Prince Adam or He-Man. Uh, that could be good. That could be good.
1: Yeah, and he's got like that, that like quality hero voice. Like his Mon in Supergirl was really good.
0: He's just got to be able to flip back and forth between. The hero and the non-hero voice and things like that. Well, they yeah. didn't really do that in the cartoon, but you're gonna have yeah, like, to do in the new. The one.
1: original old school cartoon, he didn't like. All he did was put a shirt on. Like it, he didn't even get small. Yeah. Like that was one of the things I liked about what was it the third update where you finally got a Prince Adam that like shrunk down to yeah. a normal kid, and then when he called on the power, he became giant He Man. Yeah, in the old school cartoon, like he didn't even get any smaller. <laughs> he just he just put on a white shirt and a pink vest. It's like, oh no, I'm Prince Adam. I I'm, swear I'm, I'm not. Adam, I'm swear. not. I'm not the 400 pound muscular guy with the giant sword. I don't. What are you talking about?
0: Right. Uh, also <laughs> announced Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, you know the Slayer, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's the, as oh, Tila, yeah. so Man in Arms' daughter. That that could be fun. Man, I hope they get Freddie Prince Jr. in here, her husband in real life, because we know he can do voice acting. And that would yep. be phenomenal if they tried to keep some things in the family.
1: Oh, and he just did Rebels, so like it's not like he's out of like out of style. Like he right. was just working a little bit ago. And he just
0: did. He just had a voice role in Star Wars, also the movie. He was in that too. He was a, he in Star Wars? Kanan's voice was in the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker as one of the Jedi. spirits. Oh, that's spirits. right. Yeah,
1: he was one of the Jedi spirits. I forgot about that.
0: Let's see. Powering through. Uh, Liam Cunningham from Game of Thrones and Clash of the Titans as Man at Arms. Nice. I don't remember him offhand because I didn't watch Game of Thrones and I think I saw Clash of the Titans once-ish. I don't know. Steven Root from Office Space as Cringer. I'm okay with that. Diedrich Bader from Office Space, Napoleon Dynamite, Drew Carey show. He was also Batman and Batman Brave and the Bold as King Randor and Trapjaw.
1: Nice. Uh, Liam Cunningham, if you had watched Game of Thrones, was the Onion Knight. He's a guy who uh, served... Um, he played Dabo Seaworth. Had his uh, fingers chopped off and carried him around in a necklace on his, on his chest. He was a great character, great actor. He's, uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. So people will know him when they hear his voice.
0: We have Griffin Newman from The Tick and Vinyl as Orco, which I didn't watch either show. I should have watched The Tick. That's on me. Uh, Tiffany Smith from Behind Enemy Lines and Supernatural as Andra. I feel like I should know her, but I don't off the top of my head. Henry Rollins from Johnny Mnemonic and The Lost Highway <laughs> as Triclops.
1: And, and a little thing called Black Flag. Right. <laughs> oh, and from being Henry Rollins for the past, like, 50 years. Because he's fucking awesome.
0: <laughs> this next one intrigues me a ton. Alan Oppenheimer, who you might know as, I don't know, Skeletor from the original Masters of the Universe. He'll be yeah. Moss Man in the reboot, in the sequel and continuation. <laughs> uh, Susan Eisenberg, who many f- people associate with the voice of Wonder Woman whenever they read comics. Because yep. she was Wonder Woman in the uh, Justice League cartoons. That's will the be League. the sorceress. Alicia Silverstone from Clueless and Batman and Robin as Queen Marlena. Now we're going to get into some of uh, Kevin Smith's buddies here for these next two. Justin Long, you know, Galaxy Quest, Live Free and Die Hard as Roboto and Tusk and a bunch of other Kevin Smith movies. They've. James Sign and the Bob Reboot. Yep. Speaking of uh, Jay himself, Jason Mewes from the yeah. Viewer's Universe, things like that. He's Stinkor, which I think is hilarious.
1: <laughs> it's fucking awesome. <laughs> the fact that he's Kevin's getting Jason Muse into Motu, and he gets to be Stinkor. Yeah. Jason Muse is going to have an action figure of a character that he plays in a cartoon. Jason Muse's little head is going to explode. Oh, he's like, going to love the hell so of it. That. Awesome. Yeah. That's
0: what's going to be so much fun about it. Let's see. Uh, Phil Lamar from uh, Justice League Cartoons, also Mad TV. He'll be Hero. Very uh, appropriate play on words. Tony Todd hey, can- from Candyman, Candy Star Trek The Man. Next Generation. Yeah. He'll be Scare Glow. He was also uh, the voice of Zoom in Flash.
1: Yep. Yeah, he was Professor Zoom.
0: Kree uh, Summer from the DC Superhero Girls, Vampirina, a bunch of other uh, voice acting roles. She'll be Priestess. Kevin Michael Richardson from the Batman and Thundercats will be Beastman. I've only got a few left here. Uh, Kevin Conroy, the GD Batman himself as Merman.
1: Hell yes
0: and then finally to wrap things up kevin smith's daughter harley quinn smith as Elena or elena i don't remember the character to be honest
1: yeah i'm wondering if it's going to be like a new princess or something because yeah it's it's a character name i don't know but i mean yeah kevin's running the show like you know there there's a little there's a little bit of a nepotism in hollywood you get your friends and your you know family in and it's not like she hasn't proven work like she just did the last fucking quentin tarantino film so, like, the girl can do some acting.
0: No, I wasn't. I would not cast down on him. But I'm going to cast my daughter. I, Kevin Smith, his whole mo in Hollywood and throughout time has been: these are people that are my friends, and I like to work with. So I'm going to yep. work with them as much as I can. I I have no problem with that. It's not like oh, yeah. he's like I'm picking my daughter over this other A-lister who wanted the role. Yeah. It's I picked my daughter because I like working with her, and she's damn good at what she does.
1: I was like, yeah, he puts Dietrich Bader in almost everything because he loved him as Batman, yeah. And like he had you know weird blowjob scenes with him in James. Silent Bob reboot. <laughs> <laughs> and say,
0: oh, what a, and yeah. My, what, say, oh what a lovely tea party, yeah. My Say, oh, what a
1: lovely tea party.
0: I still haven't seen James Silent Bob reboot. I need to pick it up and watch it.
1: Yeah, I just I saw it. It's, it's some good stuff. There's some really funny things in it, and um, honestly, um, Harley Quinn Smith as Millennium Falcon. And scenes where she's Jay's kid are some of the weirdest, craziest, and strangely touching scenes that Jason Muse has ever done. Like, he actually does some solid, solid acting in this movie. It's kind of surprising. Like, he, he's grown up a fair bit. The fact that Jason Muse is now actually a dad. Like, you can see scenes of him, like, playing a dad in the film and he's you can like you see he's actually pulling from experience of having a daughter now. It's actually kind of touchy to see it because it's cool.
0: Yeah, it sounds neat to me. I'm all on board for this He-Man series when it comes to Netflix. I don't think we've got any kind of release date or anything like that, but I'd say Comic Con will probably find out more because that seems like the ideal place to uh start giving us more on He-Man
1: yeah it's only listed as just a 2020 series premiere for six episodes and like nothing's even listed on imdb other than season one episode one episode one number 1.1 pilot so like yeah there's no details other the voice cast literally is like the first thing we've really heard nailing down what's happening and like i mean we'd heard i mean listening to all of kevin's podcasts i'd heard a bunch about the scripts going back and forth and who was turning in what and what work was done and whether or not Mark Bernard had a script done and like each of them flipping each other's shit. Like I knew that stuff was happening and like having it set off to get, you know, the everything produced and, uh, you know, um, not a claim bucket, um, animated. Uh, well, yes, I did it to be animated, but also sent it to be cleared through Hasbro because oh, Hasbro's yeah, yeah. got control for the, you know, the toy rights and stuff. And apparently, uh, it's weird because, uh, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard, because they write so differently, um, the animation company they're doing it with, is apparently the animation an animation company that's really good at doing fight sequences. So they literally told the writers, you don't need to write fight scenes. Tell us who's in the scene, and then in your script, literally wrote write insert fighty stuff. And like this company <laughs> will do the entire fight scene. And and like make it fit to time for whatever how much time they have in the episode. That's cool. And so yeah. It's funny because Mark Bernard said, like, it's one of those things like he liked scripting out like fights and how they worked and like positioning players and basically as a as a writer, you're directing the fight choreography for a scene. And so he's like, Kevin Smith loved it because he just typed in fighty stuff and then go to the next part where they start talking again, which Kevin's all about dialogue. Right. But yeah. Mark Bernard said it was very weird because he's used to actually writing in that stuff. And now they have a company that's doing it for them. So, like, I'd heard all of that, but had no, like, no clue, like, voice actors, who was attached, nothing. And like, you know, rumors on Twitter, whatever, like those are rumors. Like some of those rumors are true because, yeah, some of these names were rumored about. And wow, this fucking cast is going to be awesome.
0: Yeah. And this press release just came out this week announcing all of this stuff. So it's it's relatively new and fresh. We still don't have a Willie. I've been calling him. He hasn't texted me back. No, I got a bad no feeling will, yeah. about this. Luckily, I have one more news story before my real news story. <laughs> so we'll stretch it out a little bit more to see if we can get him on here so that I can poke him a little bit. And uh we'll talk about a game in a franchise that I am very recently to because I picked it up for less than $10 on Black Friday and have finally started playing it, which is Anthem. Now, uh BioWare had some announcements this week about the future of Anthem, specifically a blog post written by Casey Hudson, who is the boss who runs the studio of BioWare right now under EA's banner, about what their path is going forward. Because to say that it was not a critical success would not be an understatement let's put it that way anthems had a lot of criticism and some of it on this show because anthony's been playing it since it came out i'm a recent convert and i can honestly say had i spent paid full price i would have a lot more criticism than i do for a game i paid less than 10 bucks for
1: yeah what if you bought it twice
0: (laughs) yeah then then i would would have a lot of criticism so yeah how, how we best put it is uh in the blog post casey hudson had said sometimes we get it right Sometimes we miss. And in this case, I think it's fair to say a lot of people have considered Anthem a miss. I will say for myself, it's a lot of fun when it works right and is firing on all cylinders. Yeah. It's thin. There's there's not a lot behind the scenes. And it seems like it's a pretty short story that I would have beaten had I not gotten distracted and, you know, just started grinding way too soon. Way too much, way too (laughs) soon. So going to Casey's blog post, he said, Over the last year, the team has worked hard to improve stability performance and general quality of life while delivering three seasons of new content and features. We've heard your feedback that Anthem needs a more satisfying loot experience, better long-term progression and a more fulfilling in-game. So we recognize there's still more fundamental work to be done to bring out the full potential of the experience and it will require substantial reinvention than an update or expansion. What does this mean? Well, he says over the coming months we'll be focusing on a longer-term redesign of the experience specifically working to reinvent the core gameplay loop with clear goals, motivating challenges, and progression with meaningful rewards, while preserving the fun of flying and fighting in a vast science fantasy uh, setting. And to do that properly, we'll be doing something we'd like to have done more of the first time around, giving a focused team the time to test and iterate, focusing on gameplay first. So what does this mean? It sounds like they're making Anthem 2.0, basically. I'm kind of okay with that, but it does mean in the interim, there's not really going to be any more content updates until this is ready. Yeah. Presumably this is not going to be a paid upgrade because that would just be a more angering of fans.
1: Cause there's no way we're going to pay for it.
0: So I have been one of the <laughs> biggest Bioware fanboys on this show. Remember the Mass Effect games. I love them. I did have my issues with Mass Effect three. Many other people did. I kind of was able to set those aside. Be okay. Was that the one with them. the faces? Mass Effect three?
1: Yeah, was that the one with the faces, or was that Andromeda? That was Andromeda. Where the faces were crazy? That was Andromeda. Okay.
0: And the Bioware magic always seemed to make things work, and that was generally a product of lots of crunch at the end. And there's been a lot of news stories and things devoted to why Anthem and Mass Effect Andromeda, to a lesser extent, were not as good as they should have been at launch. And what it came down to is they relied too heavily on that Bioware magic, it sounds like. It was constantly moving goals until it was oh my god, this game's out in a year and we're not even close to being ready. Specifically, Anthem is where that happened. And they basically made Anthem in a year is what it comes down to because of creative differences, not knowing what they wanted to do. They almost yanked the flying out, but they only left it in there because it looked cool.
1: They actually yanked it out multiple times during the testing. Like, it's sad. (laughs) So,
0: if they want to make it right, that's great. The game is almost a year old. It'll be a year old next month. I... As much as I would love to give the benefit of the doubt, you probably should have made this decision six months ago when you looked at the numbers and went, wow, there's a ton of people that stopped playing and they've gone and moved on to playing Destiny again or any of these other living online games. Because if there's no player base there, when you put this Anthem 2.0 out or whatnot, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure, no matter how good this update is, how many people it's going to actually draw back to Anthem. Because, yeah, it's it's taken far too goddamn long for them to fix anything. The game is much more stable now than it was, but like, literally where the game is now is where it should have been at launch. And so the fact that now they're talking about, hey, wait six to eight, ten months, and we're going to give you what we think the game should have been at launch. So then we're going to be two years in before the game's what it was originally promised to me. like, yeah, I'm, I'm one never sure as hell going to pay for it. I will honestly never pre order another EA sponsored game again. Like it's not happening. Like I took a bath on this one, buying the limited edition on it. Like it was ridiculous where well, this is a game where honestly I bought a copy for a friend to play with because other people didn't want to play. And there was a two week period where she could not log into the game. Like, you can't blame people for not playing a game if you literally can't even log into it. If your game is that bad and that poorly built for stability, like, it ain't the fans' fault. Like, they can bitch about loot, whatever, but, like, there was a point where you literally could not log into Anthem.
0: And there were things that were not thought out, it seemed like. And from my experience playing it for the past two and a half, three weeks, load screens are ridiculous in this game. They take forever to load. Even on the, I've got Xbox One X I'm playing it on.
1: And And you're playing with the new shorter load screens. And
0: I'm playing with the new shorter load screens. (laughs) And I'm still talking like you spin up the world map. It's a two to four minute load time on top of matchmaking that it has to do before that when you're trying to do things. And I can understand where people would be like, man, I just I'm getting tired of this. The thing is, when this game hits, it's a lot of fun. Once you're in the yeah. game and you're playing, you're like, oh, this is a lot of fun. Now, granted, I've had a lot of the quality of life changes that Bachman might not have had at launch. Like the fact that you could access the forge from the world map and swap out your equipment instead of having to go back to Fort Tarsus. My understanding was you couldn't yeah. do that originally at launch. You
1: couldn't access anything. And you had to you go had, back to fort tarsis to make any change
0: and you had to go back to fort tarsis between missions and stuff like that i yep. understood too so that's even more load times because you pretty much load it and then you would go back and launch another mission and go back to load screens again at least yep. now you can do a quick launch of a mission from fort tarsis you can finish mission say i want to play another one and drop back into matchmaking immediately
1: yep
0: there's quality of life changes that they made that makes it fun and i've had a lot of fun with it but man, there's still some stuff I need to get right. We were talking in pre-show. I was like, I didn't realize that this game level caps you at level 30. So like, I hit level 30 at probably yeah. a half to maybe somewhere between the halfway and two-thirds mark of the story. And at this point in time, I'm like, well, I can't level up anymore. I play the missions because they're fun and the story is kind of interesting, but it's not like I'm getting great loot progression and I can't level up anymore because I'm stuck. Why would you a year in still be stuck at a level 30 Cap, I, I don't understand. I, when you look at things like Destiny and other online living shooters, where they seem to more routinely, or at least with expansion packs, raise the level cap so that people are enticed to keep playing, keep getting better gear, things yep. like that. This seems like once you hit level thirty and you complete the story, yeah, you can keep playing if you're having fun. But there's there's really no great motivation, and for a game like this that you want to draw people in and have them play, have them spend micro transactions on equipment and skins you've got to keep people hooked and i will be fully honest once i beat the story i will probably pick it up again when 2.0 comes out just to see what's different but i don't think there's anything that keeps me going oh my god i have to keep playing this to do these events or to keep doing this because i can't progress any
1: yeah i i only pop into anthem when i feel like just flying around and shooting stuff just cuz i'm not in the mood to like play fallen order like i don't want to play a jedi like i want to fly and shoot i'll pop into anthem every once in a while but, like and it's not it's not even like It's not something that EA hasn't addressed because the level cap that they had on Apex was 100. And, I mean, that's a, you know, uh, Battle Royale shooter, but it's still EA. They know what's going on. And then before they hit their one-year anniversary, they announced they were going from level cap 100 to 500. And then giving back loot boxes on the new progression scale to everybody who was already level capped. Anybody new gets the nuke progression scale, and now you can learn earn loot boxes again in that game from level 100 all the way up to level 500. So like they know that it's the type of thing that every player wants. They know what's happening out there. EA's still involved with freaking Anthem. But yeah, I'm still stuck on my javelin at level 30, and I've been level 30 since like a month after the game came out.
0: I never understood why it was Bioware that was making a living online shooter when these are the guys that were known for rpgs that are generally single player very storyline driven and character interaction and stuff like that because yes you get character interaction in anthem but it's not the same as what you've had in any of the other mass effect games where or any of the other bioware games where you say something and it changes your relationship with someone and it potentially changes the outcome of the story or whether they help you later on here it is i can be an asshole to someone and 30 minutes later they forget when i come back and talk to them
1: yeah you just yeah Anthem, you just follow a storyline. No matter what you actually say or do, it just follows a storyline. The story is good. I actually love the story for Anthem. Like, it's a great story that they tell, but it's a 10-minute story pulled apart over, you know, 30 missions that, yeah, if you rush through it, you could finish Anthem in, like, two days. Mm -hmm. Like, if you actually rush. Like, if you just hauled ass through the story, it'd probably be two days of gameplay and you'd be done. Yeah. And BSB that's underscore, just sad
0: yeah sorry in the chat room bsb underscore Rondart mentions even gta keeps with the progression on levels like the online portion of gta yeah mm-hmm. they keep allowing that so they're going to make changes we'll see how it goes they did say there will be some events store refreshes and inclusion of past seasonal content of and cataclysm content but the core focus is going to be on the new version so they'll keep doing some stuff here and there uh looking back historically this is not the first triple a game to see a complete overhaul post-launch We saw it in Final Fantasy XIV by Square Enix. We saw it in A Realm Reborn in 2012. And we do know Fortnite didn't have Battle Royale until a few months after it first came out. And that's what it's famous for. There's also the comparison between Destiny and Destiny 2. Destiny's foundation hasn't changed drastically, but they have ridden waves of criticism and success to reach a point where they keep modifying and changing things. So it's possible they can recover, but... These other companies, once they saw there was a problem, I think jumped to quicker trying to fix it and redesign things. Now, the quality of life changes they've made in Anthem, I think go a huge way. Had I picked up the game at launch for 60, 70 bucks and it'd been that clunky, that many connectivity issues and just load screen hell, I probably would have rage quit and never done it. So, like I mentioned, my expectations are lower. I picked the game up for 10 bucks on Black Friday. So I'm looking at it from a eh, I'm getting my 10 bucks of fun out of this. It's OK and for
1: 10 bucks. It's a damn good Iron Man yeah. simulator. It's
0: OK. <laughs> I, I hope they can clean it up, make it better. But man, it does not give me it used to be if I saw a game was coming out from Bioware. I was like, oh, hell yeah, that means it's going to be good. Then Andromeda came out. And I went, ooh, what happened here? Then I played the beta for Anthem and I went oh what what the hell is going on here and then there was anthem coming out and people telling their experiences and i went something has gone wrong and when you go and look at it they've lost a lot of that bioware talent they're in fact drew Carpation and a few of the other folks that were og bioware members have moved over to a new game studio run by wizards of the coast you know the guys that make magic the gathering and stuff like that who are going to start making games so who knows nope. what's going to happen now
1: Yeah, I think that new Magic game that's going to come out is going to have some really solid storyline because they've got a lot of the classic Bioware guys working with them now.
0: Could be. I'm curious to see what they do with it. I I do know that with the current state of things, I really don't think I'm getting another Mass Effect game, which makes me sad because while Mass Effect Andromeda was flawed when they all came together, I was like, I want to see more of the story. I want a DLC that they set up in there to happen that never happened. They're writing a book about. So... There's no more coming there, and that bums me out a little bit. And I do know that uh Dragon Age 3, I guess it is, should be coming soon. My wife is really excited about that, and I didn't have the heart to tell her that, uh, you know, Biowork kind of has been missing the mark lately. Hopefully it works, but yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I have a bad feeling about it.
1: Uh, we'll see.
0: And I agree with what uh BSB Rondart said in the chat. Hard to get ahead of the eight ball now. They may have waited too long to address the issues.
1: Yeah, because if it's two years in before I get the game that they basically promised me in the trailer, it's a little fucking late at that point.
0: Well, it's also, for a point another comparison point, though, uh, No Man's Sky. You remember that game?
1: Yes, and um, I picked it up after it was fixed, yeah. and I love that game. Yeah. It's fantastic. So
0: maybe that's kind of what they're banking on, is that if they can fix it and get it to a point people are re-reviewing it to say, hey, this is the fixed version of Anthem. Yeah. Maybe they can draw people back in. I don't know. I will tell you this. I have not put an extra dime into the game other than just what I spent on it. I thought about buying some uh, crystals or whatever to get loot, but I've been earning it through events. Now, not in great amounts, but enough that I was able to buy a legendary loot box and get some legendary gear. That was yep. kind of cool. But once I saw what 5,000 crystals equated to in real world dollars, I went, <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, I have, in all fairness, never spent another dollar on Anthem in game. And I've spent more on Apex Legends than I spent buying Anthem. So, if they make the game fun, I'll pay for the microtransactions. But I'm not giving you another fucking dime for Anthem until you fix your shit. Like, I played the other day working on the Ice Tide Wreath Challenge. I've I've got 50 of the 100 wreaths. I was going and collecting them. And it's literally to the point where one of the coolest things about the game is when you get into your javelin, which you customize everything on it. You've got like eight different sections that you can change the texture, the color, the paint. You can turn it into a metal, like. And at this point, I have like thirteen different metals. I've got all these different textures to choose from. Like your suits are fully customizable. You make you, you can make your javelins look gorgeous. And one of the best parts about the game is when you launch into a mission, is you actually see this sequence that's like a thirty-second video of your pilot getting into the suit and the fucking videos of that still don't work they like, do
0: sometimes for me other yeah. times it will load halfway through the video and then just boop, go to your loading screen i'm like yeah oh, well, and then you like go something.
1: to the ooh, the loading screen yeah i don't want to see the fucking loading screen i want to see my pilot get into his javelin i, I want to s- actually see that
0: i will say i did enjoy i was playing online with some because you can only play online And someone sent me a message on Xbox Live that was like, hey, your Anthem armor looks really cool. And I was like, hey, thanks. Nice. I'd only spent like 10, 15 minutes trying to set it up right. But it was a whole red and green and black combo that I thought looked pretty damn cool.
1: Yeah. And you could make some very like it's the most customizable system I've come across for building like a suit. Like it's a really cool system. It's very at the same time, it's very limited to what stuff you can do depending on which javelin you're using because stuff. There's some stuff that works on, you know, the Colossus that just does not look right on the storm Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And some of the decals just suck because they're this fucking big and you got to do 10 challenges to earn them. And it's a fucking sticker that's the size of a 50 cent piece and it's dumb as shit. (laughs) But yeah, there's some really great stuff in that game. When it's great, it is great. When it's not, it is awful.
0: I I do like the idea that uh, BSB Rondart had in the chat room was that. Maybe they put it on Game Pass or something like that, which is for the Xbox side of the house. If you subscribed to Game Pass, it's pretty much all you can eat a list of games and you can just download it and play it while your subscription's active. That would be an interesting way to bring people back in, but I don't know how that would work since EA has their own subscription service. I think it's on both consoles, like EA Access or something like that.
1: Yeah. And if they're smart and the 2.0 comes out and it works and it's a solid update, it, it, the The smart thing would be yeah, to put it on whatever the the Xbox Game Pass is, and put it on the PlayStation Network as a PS Plus free game for the month, and see if people will try it again. Like if it's free, they'll give it a shot. That put a huge boost into Dead by Daylight. Like, yeah, I started playing that game the month that Willie said, "Hey, this is free right now. If you go grab it, and I like playing it, and you like horror movies, give it a shot." A whole bunch of people jumped into Dead by Daylight when it was a free PlayStation Plus game. So if, you know, EA can, you know, suck it up a little bit and say, okay, yeah, no one's paying for the EA access for Anthem. Like, that's not going to happen anymore. But maybe if we put it on the Xbox Game Store and we put it in PlayStation Plus and make it free for a month, maybe we'll get a shot in the arm, enough influx where people will see that we've fixed this damn thing. Maybe it'll get the the creator content back. Because one of the things that's awesome on uh, Anthem, one of the great ideas they had was, instead of having to do guilds or having to do group lists or friend lists or anything like that, any friend that of mine on the PlayStation Network that has Anthem was automatically listed as part of my alliance inside Anthem. So as soon as my friend, when I bought her a copy of the game, as soon as she played, instantly our accounts were linked. We didn't have to go join a guild. We didn't have to do nothing. And whenever she played, at the end of the week, I got coins in accordance with how much time she had put in-game. So you actually got in-game currency when your friends played the game, which is a really cool way to do like a guild-type system without making people actually have to do anything. But with the status of the game as it is, the you I think in the email box in the game, you can keep 10 weeks worth of messages. The last 10 weeks worth of my messages, I have earned exactly zero coins because of the 13 people on my friends list that own Anthem, none of them have played the game at all. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: and i did go and check right now on ea access's website anthem is included as part of the ea access subscription which i think is eight or ten bucks a month i can't remember yeah. so if you subscribe to that on pc playstation or xbox you could play anthem that way one of the things i'd love to see them do if it when this 2.0 is make crossover gameplay happen so i don't know how you yeah. would work that appropriately though that i could friend someone on ps4 and have that work because
1: yeah there's definitely no reason it shouldn't have crossplay when they're having so much trouble building a player base
0: it's more of whether the companies will let them do it i think
1: yeah which is fucking dumb yeah we've got damn it sony
0: hey speaking of sony that's what our next news story is about because i can't stretch it out any longer willie nelson didn't make it in here in time so we'll get his comment next week but uh hey we do know ps5 coming soon same with the xbox one or excuse me xbox series x or whatever the hell they're (laughs) calling it We do have next-gen consoles coming soon, and a lot of people are going, hmm, what's the price going to be on these consoles? Because price point could be one of the major differentiating factors that determines whether some folks are going to upgrade or not.
1: Too damn high. The price is too damn high. That's what I guess, too.
0: So there is a report from Bloomberg that says Sony is struggling, quote, with costly parts, end quote, driven by high demand for memory components that could drive the PS5 price to around $500. The current manufacturing cost of the PS5, according to Bloomberg, is about $450. So if they've charged $500, they make 50 bucks on it, is what they're thinking They right
1: make now. 50 bucks a unit? Hmm. Well, remember,
0: consoles for a lot of folks are a loss leader. It's not unheard of to sell a console at a loss. And one could argue it seemed like the original Xbox One was sold at a loss at launch. And yeah. I believe even the Xbox original was sold at a loss at launch was one of the theories. I don't know if that's been confirmed or not.
1: Uh, and then they charge $80 for a controller that cost them 12 bucks worth of plastic.
0: Uh, that's, that's where you start to make up some of that.
1: <laughs> so
0: they're saying competition for DRAM and NAND flash memory are what's driving up the cost, but they do also report Sony is using an especially expensive cooling system for the PS5 because the PS4 is, quote, too loud due to noise, due to fan noise and heat dissipation. And I will say with my PS4 Pro, when I was playing Spider-Man and we got to a cinematic, those fans were roaring. They were just roaring. And I was like, yeah, this is not a very quiet system. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I said, I don't think I've even heard my PS4 Pro yet, but I haven't tried any of the like, I haven't played Spider-Man since I got it. I haven't played, Um, I've got the new uh, God of War, but I haven't played that yet. So maybe I need to actually give one of those like heavy cinematic HD games a shot and see how it, because I mean, it already makes, like it did an update to a- uh, Apex Legends, where Apex Legends on my screen, like it threw me for a loop for the first day or two because it became so much more highly rendered. I was like, oh shit, like this HD version of this game is crazy. And I don't even have an HD screen. Like it just updated the res in the game and it was a huge update. So yeah, it'll be yep. interesting to see what that, what I can actually get if I actually play one of those other more cinematic games.
0: Yep, same concept as using the Xbox One X on a regular 1080p screen is that it can render things then downscaled to 1080 and they look better than just, Rendering to 1080 to begin with For lack of a better term So Bloomberg says Sony's taking a wait and see approach Meaning they're going to see Microsoft's price That they set for the Xbox Series X Before they then mm. try and test And figure out the PSV, PS5 price
1: And see if they can beat Xbox By 50 bucks <laughs> That might be
0: the goal When they unveiled the first details in the PS5 It sounded more expensive than the 399 price point We have with the PS4 Pro And they did say they were going to target quote An appealing price point based on the PS5 price So what it comes down to, it sounds like if you start breaking down the hardware costs of the PlayStation 5, in order to break even, they have to charge $450. People have done similar things with the Xbox Series X and said, if you break down the hardware costs, Microsoft would have to charge $5 to $550 to break even. Now, Microsoft has sold at a loss before and not really cared right now. And I'm sure Sony has when it comes to console sales and stuff before. But honestly, we're not going to have any clue for sure until probably i don't know june microsoft's going to e3 2020 sony is not i assume they might want to announce a price point in june so that people can start be like oh gotta start saving my pennies up to get my uh, xbox series x or whatnot myself i'm not upgrading anytime soon because i don't need to
1: Yeah, i just got my pro so i'm good for a while i never i I never want to buy a new console within the first year like Mm -hmm. let them fix the bugs let them fix the problems I want the sixth version of it that comes over from Japan. Nothing yeah. earlier than that.
0: <laughs> Why I was really hoping Willie would be on here is Willie's a far more plugged into the Sony side of the house than I am. He's an avid PlayStation gamer and he reads a lot of the tech news and stuff like that. And I didn't know what he might've heard differently from what he's been reading or if him as a PlayStation gamer, what he thinks would be the ideal price point, because I assume Willie's going to upgrade the way he's been talking about PS five and stuff like that. He hasn't explicitly said it on the show. Mm. I just assume that's his plan, as he wants to upgrade to the new console. So I was just curious to get his read on. Well, what's this price point? Does that what? What's the price point for you, Willie? That would have been appealing to make you like, I am buying this console on day one. I don't think there's any price point for me that's appealing in that regard because I've got enough in my backlog right now, and I still have my Switch that I don't need to upgrade to the next gen console anytime soon.
1: It might look yeah, good, there, though. There's too many games. Yeah, too many games. <laughs> well, and hell, PlayStation Network. Uh, or a PS Plus, the last two months, they've handed out collections. Last month was the Nation Nathan Drink jarred Collection. This month, they gave up Bioshock. I just downloaded all three Bioshock games. I've never played any of them. Oh my God, I have all so three good. now for free. Yeah.
0: They're, oh, man. Bioshock 2, not as good. <laughs> Bioshock 1, mind blowing. And Bioshock Infinite, because it's just completely different setting wise. Oh, oh, you're going to love them. They're so. Yeah so
1: good all three of those i haven't even scratched the surface yet i haven't started the new norse god of war i, I got the whole nathan drake collection like yeah there's so much games to play so many games to play it's ridiculous oh, and man. all this while i'm working through two battle passes between dead by daylight and apex legends sounds <laughs> like
0: you've got plenty of time for gaming then right
1: exactly
0: <laughs> who needs sleep <laughs> sleep i'll sleep when i'm dead damn it that's my plan mm-hmm. Well, sorry, everyone watching live. Looks like we got no Willie Nelson. I called him and texted him. I tried to. The
1: the Willie is sleepy.
0: We'll hope he's alive and we'll have an update for you next week. But before we shut this thing down, each week as we shut down the show, we have a little segment we do. It's a bit called What I'm Into. It's our chance to share with you guys who are watching live or listening at a later date just what kind of geeky and or nerdy things we've been getting into so that maybe, just maybe, you'd want to check them out Yourselves. I will kick things off because my list is relatively simple. Been pretty busy with work, but in between that, did play some anthem. I am near the end game state in anthem right now. And I watched just yesterday, I wish I'd kind of seen it on Thursday, Star Trek Picard episode four. I am still enjoying this show, but God, it is a slow burn at this point in time. It's very interesting <laughs> from a character standpoint, things like that, but they have not really moved forward towards starting to resolve the big overarching plot of picard needs to go save this person it's still assemble a team bringing character pieces things like that i'm having a ton of fun with it and they brought in a character in the last 30 seconds of star trek picard this week that i went ooh, i can't wait to see what they do next week it's Is, is that
1: when nathan frake show or jonathan frake shows up (laughs) <laughs> Jonathan Frakes directed
0: this week's episode but he did ah. not appear. I guess spoiler alert for anyone who is not caught up on Star Trek Picard. In the last 30 seconds of the show, there is a Picard ship gets attacked. There is another ship that comes to save them. Ship gets damaged is about to blow up and the pilot requests that he they be allowed to be beamed aboard and it is none other than 7 of 9 that is beamed aboard nice who gives the line of picard you owe me a ship then passes out due to her
1: injuries <laughs> very cool very cool
0: <laughs> so it's really cool jonathan frakes did direct this episode and i was reading an interview with jerry ryan where she said what made it it was tough to come back to the character because she hasn't played seven of nine in 20 years she goes but there was a director that kind of understood where we we're all coming from because jonathan frakes hasn't played his role in years as well there but he's go. intimately aware of trek and all of these people she goes so he made it really comfortable to try and find the right point to make oh okay i'm seven again and he is appearing sometime this season we already know that and he had done interviews of his own where he's like man i've been directing so much in recent years i haven't been in front of the camera he goes there's so <laughs> much anxiety just going back in front of the camera again
1: that's funny for a guy that did that did that show for so long
0: yeah but if you think about it I don't know what is the last show I've seen Jonathan Frakes in in an acting capacity because he's been directing all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's done voice acting and stuff like that. But I don't know that he really appears in front of the camera that much anymore.
1: Yeah, it probably was one of like the last uh, the last generation movies. Mm-hmm.
0: I know Marina Sirtis still appears on screen. She was on like NCIS and a few other things like that. So she's not just gone to voice acting. But it seems like Jonathan Frakes kind of pivoted his career towards being much more focused on directing.
1: He just wanted to grow that beard out, and not have to shave.
0: He does have a pretty wonderful beard. We did see it in the Picard trailer, so Picard's been really good. I'm enjoying it. I just need them to start touching on the story again at some point in time. I'm really enjoying the back building or world building and stuff like that. But we need to move forward and start start getting Picard from point A to point B. At least he's off Earth. He got off Earth this issue. Well, the very end of last episode, actually, he got off. <laughs> so everything is in a post Earth world yeah i I like it a lot i will keep my cbs all access until picard is over i will then suspend my account until picard season two comes out because i don't care about discovery i found still i watched the first episode and went i just want my trek to continue the story not try and tell me prequel stories at this point in time
1: yeah they do seem to just love harp on that prequel thing
0: well they sort of did if you want a spoiler for discovery here they jumped like three thousand years into the future at the end of ah, last season okay. so that is all taking place after picard and things like that so that is actually rather intriguing to me because we don't have to try and play around the fact of oh this character you saw in the original series we see him here but we can't tell them something that they would then know in the original series because it wouldn't make sense can can canonically that's the right way to put it canonically yep. i got the canonically word yep yep so i've really enjoyed that god what else have I been getting into I did pick up on Tuesday, I guess it was, GameStop does their deal of the day occasionally. I picked up a game I've played in bars. It's called Killer Queens. It was down to like eight bucks on the Switch. So I picked up a copy there. You can have four people play locally when it's docked. It's a fun little bar game. We played it at the arcade bar here in town. I was like, for eight bucks, this will be fun when people come over. We Instead of playing board games all the time, we're like, let's play some Killer Queens. It's delightful. But that's really about all I've been getting into. I've just been kind of busy with work and if you heard the pre-show that before i forgot to mute it uh i am not taking the monday holiday for president's day i'm shifting it to friday so i really won't have much time to do fun stuff until friday but i may go to the movies then i wanted to see sonic the hedgehog haven't seen that yet and i wanted to see uh harley quinn slash birds of prey slash whatever they've renamed themselves to this week because they changed the name of the movie after week one wait we didn't have a chance to talk about this last week (laughs) <laughs> so, like, the actual title of the movie was like Burley, was like, uh, excuse me, Birds of Prey, the Emanci- the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn or something like that in like parentheses. Yeah. So, they, uh, Warner Brothers reached out to the theaters and said, we're renaming it to make it simpler so that people realize Harley Quinn's involved. It is now Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey is what they changed the title to in theaters.
1: That's funny because that's not the movie that I bought tickets for and that's not what's listed on imdb yeah i'm not not sure how well that's
0: working out but a lot of theaters where you see it listed now it now says harley quinn colon birds of prey and so they're gonna try to
1: they're gonna try to live die repeat it
0: that's honestly what it kind of sounds like and by all accounts it's to try and cure the fact that it underperformed in week one which i was disappointed to see i didn't have a chance to go see it week one i was sick and i didn't have a chance this weekend because i was working on some projects but I still want to see the movie. I acknowledge I'm part of the problem as to why their but by their money made sucks. I'll make it at some point in time. It's still my plan. It didn't it.
1: do that bad. Was, they projected
0: was like, 55 million, they made 35 million in week 1.
1: Yeah, it's also a lead it's a movie being led by a sidekick of a villain who's not in the film. Like a Harley's a great character, but Harley's not box office gold yet. Like Yeah, the fact that it made thirty plus, I think it did fine. They
0: start they tried to look at it too much through the lens of other rated R superhero movies and what they did opening weekend. And Harley Quinn is not on the same level as Deadpool or Logan. And that is not me being a Marvel fanboy, being like, Oh, they're so much better. It's the name recognition of Deadpool after Deadpool one, especially, is much higher and uh logan it's the freaking wolverine let's be honest here
1: well and it was the like the end cap story after like 13 years of one actor playing the same character as well yeah margot roby's awesome she's not the marketing machine that ryan reynolds is yes like they did marketing with deadpool that no movie has ever done like they did crazy shit with that movie
0: i just wanted to make it clear i wasn't trying to cast a marvel yeah. fanboy shot at harley quinn and if you think i was feel free to send your hate mail to js <laughs> at going all hate mail goes to john sebastian that's the plan but that's what i've been getting into bachman how about yourself what do you getting into
1: well to continue the thread what i've been getting into is i uh took my girl out to see birds of prey and as a douglas movies fan full title Birds of Prey, semicolon, and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Because that is the fucking title of the movie. Whatever Warner Brothers is trying to pull their bullshit, live, die, repeat, trying to come up late and change shit after marketing. uh Uh-uh. Doesn't work. Edge of Tomorrow. The movie's called fucking Edge of Tomorrow. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Harley's fun. It's super fun. It's a really fun movie. It's, like, the complaints I've heard are utterly ridiculous. There was, like, complaints that fucking, like, Harley and Elizabeth Winstead and the characters weren't wearing enough sexy outfits through the movie to like to, you know, appease the fanboys. Uh, Journey Smollett Bell, who plays Dinah Lance, the Black Canary, the new version of, uh, you know, the songstress ass kicker is in basically sexy outfits for the entire movie. Like, she's a gorgeous actress and looks great through the whole thing. All the other ones are just not wearing booty shorts like Jesus Christ. It's a, it was a woman writer, a woman director and women actresses. And they actually sat down with costume and said, what's going to be comfortable to wear for the next month while we're filming. Yeah. And even then Margot Robbie's wearing crazy shit. Cause she's Harley Quinn, <laughs> like her, her, like, uh, like shredded confetti fucking sleeves on her one jacket is utterly insane. Like the outfits they're wearing are great and they fit to the characters. Like, but Rosie Perez is wearing a shirt to a good chunk of the movie that says I shaved my balls for this. I don't know how people are not having fun seeing this movie because it's fucking hilarious.
0: Look, and the thing that a lot of people still continue to not realize is a lot of those iconic female costumes, they don't translate well to the big screen yeah. because women are not supposed are not designed to be able to wear those kind of clothes because you're drawing them on their bodies in comic books. Whereas in real yeah. life, you, it's same with men, a lot of men's superhero costumes. Those don't translate because they don't fit right. Yeah. So you make your adaptation and change. That's like saying, I'm mad because... Captain Marvel didn't wear the warbird swimsuit one piece. What? Who cares? It was still an awesome costume.
1: Yeah. And yeah, the idea that like Mary Elizabeth Winston was going to wear like the, the huntress bra and booty shorts under a trench coat. Like that was even a dumb design when it was in a comic book. Yeah. Like nobody would fucking wear that into a fight. Her version of the huntress is awesome. Like she goes and just murders people and she's great at it. And they have a bunch of uh, motorcycle stunts with her. Super fun. And honestly, Margot Robbie is great from start to finish through the whole film. Ewan McGregor is great start to finish through the whole film. The version of Mr. that they have in this film is very fucking weird. Also very entertaining. Like, the whole movie's fun. Like, it's a super fun flick. Like, it stands up there with, like, it's not quite as good as Aquaman or 101, but it's right there next to them. Like it's this is still better than that crap Justice League movie. This is still better than freaking Batman versus Superman. This was a good film. There's a good solid plot. Like there's an actual storyline going on and actual character progression. Oh my god, actual character progression for characters in a DC film. Like it's fucking it's solid. Like Birds of Prey is a good solid fun movie. It's not what fucking a certain sad fucking vocal group of fanboys want. But fuck them. We don't need to be making movies for those people. They're yeah, going to go yeah. see these anyways. They're going to go see these movies anyways just to complain about them. So, yeah, the fact that, like, these basically and almost all female costs got together with a female director, a female writer, and made a badass movie with badass female characters, I fucking loved it. Like, it was fun. That's all, And that's all a Harley Quinn movie needs to be is fun. This This isn't going to be going in for the Oscars for Best Fucking Actor Awards. They know they're not going in for that shit. This is supposed to be a fun movie that builds the universe. This movie's fun, and the best part is there's no fucking Joker in it. If anything, I think that was my favorite part. Even the slight references to him are cut down a lot. This is literally about Harley getting away from the world's most abusive relationship. Joker and Harley Quinn are not relationship goals, you fucking psychos.
0: Yeah, I don't understand <laughs> that people are like well, relationship goals when they talk about. It. I'm like, no, he yeah, drove her no.
1: insane. Yeah, he literally drove a PhD psychologist insane and ruined her life. And now she's getting a little bit of that life back. But yeah, if, if you just want a fun movie, go see Birds of Prey. It's great. Like, I enjoyed it. It was really fun. That's it. But yeah, um, other than that, I actually watched all of uh, Cracked Out two nights on Friday and Saturday. Watched all of Lock and Key, the first season on Netflix. It is a damn fantastic version of the comic book. Like, uh, Joe Hill, like, you know, they come out swinging, like it's a super violent origin story that in the comics was, I remember like being like jarringly violent and they do a good job in this, where they tell most of that in flashback sequence and they kind of break it up to kind of ease the audience in a little bit more. So it's not as jarring as the comics were really well done. The acting's great on it. The special effects for like all the keys and the things that they can do with them all the basically the magic that's involved in the house and the storytelling, all of it is top-notch, like nothing looks out of place. They 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 jump really fast into once like one key is found, and they start world-building to tell you the all the magical abilities of all the keys in this world. Like it goes really quick, but like they carry the audience along with it fast enough to where none of it seems out of place. It all seems to fit like the, it builds on itself really well. Yeah. Went through the whole season and it's just it's fantastic storytelling. If you haven't seen Lock and Key, it's a super great show. Uh pretty violent. It's got some, you know, violence, some blood, some crazy stuff in it. Definitely not for kids. Like it's a very adult show, even though it stars like like Bodies, like one of the main characters, the kid who's like eight or nine years old. But yeah, it's a it's a very adult based comic book like it's not meant for kids joe hill is stephen king's kid like this you know this is someone that grew up in the house of the horror master he knows how to write scary shit like there's some there's some creepy scary shit in it good violent but yeah it is fantastically well-built show like i i'm hoping to see them do the entire story of lock and key like i want to see all of it translated to screen because what they did was really good and like it was sad hearing like this pilot kept getting remade different studios kept picking it up and then dropping it And, like, eventually, finally, Netflix, you know, give it a home, and they redid the pilot again with all these new actors. And, like, apparently, it was was a long time in the making, but, man, it was worth it. What they ended up giving us for Lock and Key is fantastic. So, if you haven't checked that out yet, go look at that. And then I've been working on my uh, Goodreads reading challenge. Uh, I talked to you guys about Scythe, and then uh, the second book in the Scythe series, which is The Thunderhead. I finished The Thunderhead, and I'm now on to the third and final book, which is called The Toll. And about like 150 pages into this, apparently I think uh, Paramount or Universal, one of them, is in talks with Joe Schusterman to make the first one into a movie. It's it's fully like a YA dystopian future world. It's the it's like the next Hunger Games, the next Harry Potter. Like the the fact that we're not already seeing a trailer for this movie, I find a little shocking because it's a it's a great concept. It's a really cool, unique version of a perfect dystopian future if that makes any type of sense. And like, it's, it's really weird. Cause it's a world where humanity has conquered death. Um, you basically can't die from anything natural anymore. Everybody has nanites in them. There's an AI system that runs the world. Nobody needs to, you don't have to work if you don't want to. Everybody has money. Everybody has food. Everybody has perfect health and mental well-being. Like all of that's done with, and everybody lives forever. You can reset your body age at any time you want by going to a center and and dialing back however many years you want, so people are living to be hundreds and hundreds of years old, but they're walking around looking thirty-five. And so there are scythes that go around and murder people. And when a scythe kills you, you actually die; don't ever come back. And they're doing it basically for population control, because at this point, if nobody dies but people keep having kids, you know the world is finite. It, you know there's still finite resources, even with a perfect AI system running everything. And so this this strange world where these two teenagers are brought in to be an apprentice, be apprentices for a scythe, and then you know craziness ensues. Three books worth a crazy storyline. Really cool concepts. Really uh, great ideas about like the morality and like the life choices people would make and the things that would change in the world if we weren't worried about dying. If humans had unlimited time and potential, like what would you do with your life? And so seeing uh, this act, uh, the writer uh, tackle some of these concepts, like it's really cool. It's really well written. It's really fun. And I'm excited to see what they do with the movie, because like it should totally be an, a nice trilogy of films. And if they do even like, you know, 80 percent justice to the books, like I think there'll be a solid storyline. It'll be a good trilogy. It'll be another Hunger Games where people really enjoy it. it I mean, really? it may not be a worldwide blockbuster, but it'll be good. Like, it'll be really good. That's what I've been getting into.
0: Well, very cool. I need to do better about my reading that I wanted to do. Like I picked up the first series in the Witcher books and I was like, I need to start reading this and I just haven't gotten to it yet.
1: I'm telling you, man, the Goodreads challenge, you go log on the Goodreads, you add the books that you want to list. And the awesome thing about the challenge is that you set the number of books that you want to read for the year. So like literally I did, I tried to do 60 last year. That ended up being a little too much the year before I'd done 50 and like just barely hit it. And so I reset my goal to 50 this year. My, I have a f- one friend that restarted it and they set their goal at like four. I have another friend that started it this year and set their goal at 12. If you can read a book a week, if you can read a book a month, whatever. And it's just, it's a nice way to keep track of them. And then you see stuff popping up, what your friends are reading. And it like gives you ideas of other stuff you might want to read. And it reminds you, Hey, I should be reading my book.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's good. Reading, yeah. So it's baked into the Kindle stuff because I read most yeah. of the stuff on my Kindle.
1: There you go. Yeah. If you that. do that, it tracks all of that. So it's nice.
0: I need to be better about that. Oh, well. That being said, looking at the time, we we did pretty good here. We did pretty good. We stretched this out. We had full content. We talked about all sorts of cool, interesting things. That being said, it is time for us to start shutting this thing down. A friendly reminder, we do stream this show live every Sunday, 11 11 a.m. Eastern at 10 a.m. Central over at www.geeks.live. Yes, that is a domain. And yes, that is the live streaming page for all of these shows on the Gunna Geek Network. If you head on over there, you can scroll down to the bottom of the page. You can see a calendar of all of the upcoming live events. So please feel free to come check out some other live content over on Geeks.Live. I will say the next live show, I do believe, is tomorrow evening at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It is the official geek.com show. I still have to figure out what I'm talking about on there tomorrow. I just realized. I'll be productive later. I'll be productive later. That being said... We are gonna shut this thing down. Please come visit us next week. But before we shut it down, any final thoughts for our audience here?
1: Hey Bioware, EA, fix anthem. Get get your shit together. Get all your shit together. Put it in the backpack. Fix your shit.
0: Right. They really I'm looking forward to when they do get it fixed. That being said, we're not there yet. Just keep your fingers crossed. It should be there at some point in time. Fingers crossed, Hopefully. we will see Hopefully. you all next week for more ATGN shenanigans. Bye guys